Dear Unexpected Entrepreneurs, this podcast is for you. Whether you have an idea, are starting or scaling up, this is the place for those who have already walked your path to share their top three pieces of advice to you, our unexpected entrepreneurs. Summit is here to champion unexpected entrepreneurs, the folk who are experts in their sector and have ambitious goals to innovate. Their goal wasn't always to build a business, but to fill a need and improve the sector that they are passionate about. Today, we're joined by Pete Ferguson. Say hello, Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, uh, what do you want to know? Everything. So give us some history. How did you start in, in, in your career and, and what are you up to now? Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So let's go way back to 1992-ish. That was, a, that was a long time ago. Um, I actually started off working in radio. I still have a soft spot for radio. And you can ask anyone who worked in radio, and they all absolutely love it. Um, mm. so, so, yeah, started off working in radio. It was actually hospital radio. I was 13. I was meant to be 16. We managed to break the rules so I could get my own little radio show going. And then a local radio station started. Uh, this is in West Wales, by the way, in the middle of nowhere. I was like, wow, a radio station. So maybe I can get a job there which I did, and I was one of the UK's youngest radio presenters, so that was cool. Um, I was co-hosting a show with uh, a guy called Aled Jones, not that one, um, the other one, who's now the boss of Radio 1. Yeah, um, and was on the Chris Moyle show as kind of their producer slash, you know, he got involved in conversation, didn't he? BB Aled, yes, exactly. So we had so much fun back then. We were kind of just pure radio geeks, like geeking about Radio 1 and this local radio station that started, etc. And we're still in touch to, the, to this day, actually. And it's amazing to see how well, he, how well he's done. So I still love radio. Um, but from there, I actually ended up kind of working, um, of all places, in Topshop Radio. Which sounds funny, it's like a bit like, oh, Topshop Radio, that's not very big. But actually, when you look at the pedigree, people like Chris Moyles are actually born out of um, places <laughs> like Topshop Radio and uh, loads of other really well-known DJs as well. So I kind of moved from Wales to Topshop, left school early, actually, for this kind of really cool job in 214 Oxford Street, which was the big Topshop on Oxford Circus. So originally, it was like a radio station. It became a TV station after a while, which I ran. So that gave me some TV experience. It was also near Radio 1 as well, so I kind of have the enjoyment of being near the BBC, which is quite fun. Um, mm. And then from there, um, I actually went to Bloomberg. So I was a TV director at Bloomberg for a while, uh, which is cool. I actually kind of leaned on my, tele uh, my um, Top Shop experience, where we'd be vision mixing, playing in videos, etc. And that became really pertinent, actually, for the work I was doing at Bloomberg. Um, after that, I went traveling for six months, went around the world. This is kind of pre-mobile phone almost, so that was very enjoyable. And uh, on the back of that, saw an ad for a freelance gig at The Telegraph doing mm -hmm. podcasts the first time around, so when podcasts first bobbled up. It was like, oh, we need some sort of podcast, maybe a bit of video. Did that for a while. And then um, that became a full-time job, ended up running the commercial video team for The Telegraph, left there 2014, mm. took my experience to date, even including things like Topshop, which is a form of branded content, really. All of that experience and um, Nemerin, my own, my own business, Nemerin Film Video, was born. 
and uh yeah that's kind of t that's taken us to present day amazing that's yeah that's quite journey and, and as well. i'm guessing you had you know going through that kind of fairly extensive career before you started up rather than kind of starting straight out of college or school meant that you were able to bring a whole host of experience but also context with you kind of on the the business journey so you kind of had some people you could lean on in terms of you may have known you might have had like a network of freelancers you could lean on for for various bits and bobs yeah i've never actually really had a full-time job other than at the telegraph i've actually always been freelance mm. so even though i was at okay. like top shop for example for you know the best part of 10 years there five days a week i was technically self-employed so I guess I've always been fairly comfortable in terms of the premise of where well, you have to go looking out for work. You know, you're doing work yourself, but you also need to be thinking about what work you're going to be doing next week, etc. And I've always enjoyed that. It's a little bit like surfing. You're kind of enjoying it, but, you know, you need to concentrate, otherwise you might fall off. Um, and yeah, over the years, you just do end up with, you know, this black book of amazing people that you know, like, and trust mm. uh, in complementary areas, whether it's, I don't know, financial support, really good accountant who understands agencies or motion designers, people who understand After Effects in the way that I never will. Um, yeah. You know, really good camera operators, etc. I can do lots of those things to a certain extent, but really it's better to bring in experts, I think. Nice. And what does the shape of your, your business look like in terms of team? What's your role um, and what sort of clients do you work with? Yep, so I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Nemrin Film Video. We're a specialist branded video agency that creates authentic, narrative-rich, audience-centric video content, premium video content that adds value to an audience, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to, say, corporate video or you know television advertising, etc. Um, and it's a really particular skill, actually, and which was sort of honed at the Telegraph, um, you know, it's got long story short, the sales team sell a campaign with a brand. They need to make a piece of content, whether it's video or written content, speak to a Telegraph audience. So mm. it's kind of, it's quite an interesting one to get right. And then you need to make it clear to the audience that it's paid for by a brand. So there's a bit mm. of a Venn diagram thing going on there. So there's actually not that many businesses that really do genuinely have branded content experience. And mm. I'm surrounded by amazing colleagues that also kind of live and breathe filmmaking, branded content, strategy, etc. Um, uh, we're a full-time team of about 10 to 15 people with an extended network of between 500 and 1,000 people who, um, again, are like best in class, amazing people, everything that you could ever need for video production. So creatives, things like hair and makeup, drone pilots, um, specialist directors, etc. everything that you need. And the way it works is we'll look at a project and go, okay, for this project, you'll work with these people who are in-house that you already know, but then we'll bring in mm -hmm. these experts who are perfect for your job. Whereas lots of production companies will go, well, you have to work with Bob because Bob's in-house. Mm -hmm. Chances are that Bob's not, you know, completely versatile. So it actually works better to assemble a dream team, I think. Nice. It's funny, like when you mentioned oh. that, the idea of doing almost like um, a brand deal, but it needs to feel natural. It, when, when you mentioned that, I just, I, I was just in my head listing out YouTubers who do that really well. And I'm talking about like, you know, the top 10, you know, top 2% of YouTubers um, mm. who are doing 
silly number of views and are able to make ads not just a 30 second stint in their video but are able to make it feel like actually part of the experience but it feels like that's something that you were doing years ago it sounds like that's something you were doing years ago at the telegraph it's not so much of a new concept that just this kind of new wave of of youtubers who have who have hit gold have kind of pioneered Mm, yeah definitely i mean branded content's obviously been around for like a very 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 long time the branded video content is slightly more nuanced um, and really you know kudos to the telegraph they're almost first out the door um, in regards to defining what branded video content actually is um, you know traditionally there's a track record of things called advertorials which you know mm. we'll all recognize from you know occasionally when you buy a newspaper you might read an article and then you get that sinking feeling that oh actually this is an advert for a yeah, yeah or something Branded content is different to that because it's very proud. Like, we don't care that this is paid for by, I don't know, British Airways or somebody because the content is really, really good and we know it's going to be adding value to you. And it's clearly labeled so you don't get that sinking feeling. And so you're right. Yeah, you're right. You know, in terms of YouTubers, there will be certain people who are completely being themselves. And when you're watching them, um, present a piece of you know branded content or an advert in essence it still feels like they're being true and authentic to themselves yeah fab so um you're here today to share three lessons that you've learned during your your career and and through running the business um so let's kick off what's your first uh tip and a piece of advice you want to share with the audience today okay well the first one's a, maybe a little bit of an obvious one but potentially it's sometimes overlooked and that is basically keep it really simple and do something that you absolutely love. Um, you know, mm. get paid to do your hobby is the thing because that's not only, you know, like striking gold, like I can't believe I'm getting, getting paid to do this. You know, whether you're drone pilots or writing articles or, you know, being a dancer or, you know, whatever it happens to be, do something that you absolutely love. And also that's going to keep you going during hard times, whether it's a recession or clients going AWOL or, you know, having to do lots of admin, etc. If you can balance that with something that you really, really enjoy, then mm. that's, that is striking gold. So just think about that from the beginning. And I think as a business owner, owner, just try and focus on the bits of the business that you really enjoy and bring in other people yeah. to do bits that you don't enjoy so much, you know, finance, for example. 100%. That is so good like for instance you know we run a software company i love software um i i love i love everything that it's kind of involved in it but what i really love is telling our story and talking to people so that's the bit that i've got you know over the years of running the agency that's the bit that i'm not able to focus on and when it comes to to bookkeeping and kind of emails and day-to-day -day stuff i'm removed from that now because i feel like i've kind of I, I, that's the bits that I, I'm less interested in and I feel like as the business owner you do get to maybe not in the early days but especially as you progress you do get to pick and choose the bits you want to do and you can almost pivot your role um, you don't have to be the the designer or, or the guy editing video for 12 hours a day if you don't want to remove yourself from that if when and if and when you get the opportunity and yeah it, it, it gives you longevity in your role right otherwise you just end up working a job but you're also responsible for everyone else's mortgage yeah and it's going to spiral out of control because you'll end up kind of hating what you do or being jealous about what your colleagues are doing or something 
So yeah, definitely, you know, you need to work with people who have complementary skills and are better at doing stuff than you are in different areas. And likewise, you're doing something that they can't do and they've got no interest in doing as well. And uh, it's a little bit of a balancing act and there'll be some gray areas, but that's the kind of, that's the uh, ideal scenario, I think. Nice. Yeah, that feeling when you get to work with someone um, and they get to take something off your plate and they're way more talented they're, you know, they're a lot better at it than you are. It's, it's a great feeling of going, oh, I don't have to do this. And they're better than me. Jobs are good. in. like, it's all their responsibility now. Um, yeah. Nice. That's a great one. Um, yeah. let's, let's roll on to number two. All right, cool. I've got loads here, actually. So, uh, right. um, well, yeah, I mean, the second one is basically surround yourself by, with nice people, which again, kind of sounds really obvious, but it's so important in life that, well, just generally, even outside of work, that you have positive people around you who, um, you know, always look for the positive in things as well. And sometimes, you know, it can be quite hard with the news being quite negative or recessions coming, you know, kind of, you know, wars, etc. But always just try and focus on the positive. And it's absolutely mm. vital in the team that everyone's aligned and we all have each other's back and we can have fun together. And, you know, we don't necessarily need to have similar, similar interests, but having that kind of positive spin is really important. Mm. Um, the team overall, also as a business owner, when you're kind of looking at your colleagues and ultimately for your clients, your clients are really perceptive. They can pick up on, on things. So it's just important that you have a can do attitude and, you know, you say yes a lot and you're tactful, et cetera. Um, so I just think that's really important. Um, we used to, when we used to hire people through LinkedIn, which we don't, we don't do anymore. Um, we used to post ads and at the bottom of the job description, it would say, by the way, we only hire nice people mm. and that, <laughs> and then I've sort of subsequently been told that actually maybe you're not allowed to write that, but the essence mm. is true. It's so important to have nice, nice colleagues. I think that's really important. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I don't have the official list in my head of why people leave their jobs, but I imagine enjoying who you work with is fairly high on the list. And it's amazing, especially in a small team, how quickly one negative person can change the mood, right? One negative client, one negative influence, yeah. whatever it is, it, it, it quickly sours the tone. And that becomes the, the person people don't want to work with or, or kind of, I just, ah, oh, I'm on a project with this person. That's it's going to be a down or a day for a few days and whatever it is. And do you find um, in your industry of kind of working in, in video and, and with the newspapers and whatnot, you would meet people, you would meet spiky people whose maybe perception, you know, um, their reputation kind of preceded them. Cause like you, I'm, I'm guessing you were working in corporate squad not, and you were like, Oh, okay. We know this person may be interesting to work with. Or did you try and stay away from clients, which may be a pain in the ass essentially? Um, I think I've, other than maybe one or two <laughs> exceptions, I generally have been quite lucky, actually, that um, yeah. strangely, I, I find that actually the further people are up in their career, the more kind of normal they become. So yeah. when they're really established, okay. they've picked up loads of awards or they may be kind of, you know, famous to an extent, even if it's just in their sector, they're actually just really normal and very nice. So, you know, exactly. this could be kind of, creative directors for massive brands or like creative directors for big agencies or very well-known personalities or musicians or whatever. Once they get to a certain point, they're actually really, really nice. And that's good. 
but kind of further down the run where they're kind of you know almost trying to elbow people out out the way to kind of get up the ladder a little bit more that's where it can be a little bit you know a bit more contentious sometimes but once you're aware of it then you can see it for what it is and you can just sort of acknowledge that that's you know their their point in in their careers you know and obviously everyone everyone has a bad day and gets gets stressed as well so try and give people the benefit of the doubt i think but no generally i've been quite lucky i think before my web development days i used to work in theater and we would quite often have comedians come in um and they were the ones you looked forward to coming in and they were the ones that you wish weren't coming in um and yeah everyone knew who was who and uh even when you now see them on tv you're like ah yeah, you weren't so fun to work with. <laughs> like, just their reputation, just instantly, you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Off camera, you you really weren't that much fun. Um, but, well, yeah. The truth always gets out, though. The truth always gets out because, you know, being like crew at the theatre, for example, you'll speak to people and eventually it'll just become common knowledge. And, mm. and unfortunately, from a celebrity point of view, you can't move for celebrities now. So if you're going to be not very nice to put it politely then there's plenty of other people that can be booked instead you know the days of just having like 100 celebrities in britain because you've only got four or five tv channels for example and like just a dozen radio stations that's gone now um so yeah it's it's an interesting one and every industry smaller than you think it is whether it's theater whether it's video whether it's just like pure kind of agency or, or newspapers i imagine like all of the journalists are aware kind of roughly of each other whether you're at the telegraph the guardian whatever you are and if you're aware of who max is or whatever and, and you're aware of kind of oh you know they're apparently great to work with and stuff and it's the same in agency world isn't it like if we ever have um a client join us from a previous agency or they're moving on to another agency I'll ask who it is and you know I quite often know the owner and I know if they're the sort of business I would want to align myself and work with um, and most most um, industries are smaller than you think they are oh totally yeah from the publishing point of view it's quite funny actually that lots of journalists and people who work for publishers move around so mm. I'll have loads of former colleagues from the Telegraph who are now, for example, at the Times or the Sun or elsewhere. So people do move around a lot, definitely. Um, and I also think it's really important to be nice to people who are just starting out in the business as well. So not mm-hmm. only is that like the right thing to do as a human being, but ultimately they're going to be in a position of power at some point. And they may, yeah. they may well remember like who looked after me when I first started, who gave me a break and spent extra time with me, et cetera, as well. So yeah, I mean, generally in life, it's it's good to be as nice as you can, I think. Nice. Sounds like a, yeah, sounds, sounds like a good rule of thumb. Um, Pete, what's your third, third lesson? Okay, so this is an interesting one, really. Um, it's actually just follow your gut feeling. Now, there'll hmm. be loads of people who actually think that's really bad advice and you should actually just follow like data and science and Excel sheets, etc. And there is absolutely a place for that. Um, and I don't know if it's because I'm maybe slightly dyslexic, but I, I don't know. I just don't, I, I'm not really comfortable in an Excel sheet. I'm much more comfortable using my intuition and, you know, whether it's like years of experience or whatever, but my intuition is saying this feels right or it doesn't feel right. 
And I've found, again, from experience, if I ignore that, then more often than not, when I look back, I normally kick myself going, your your gut instinct was telling you otherwise and you ignored it and now you're kind of suffering the consequences. Not always that it's bad, but sometimes you just know. So that might be mm. going for a cheaper option, for example, with a product or service, knowing that, okay, it's a lot cheaper, but it could be sort of problematic or does it look cheaper? And then retrospectively, you look back and go, I should have just followed my gut instinct. So whatever it is, apparently the gut is, if it's happening there, the gut is very clever. It's like another brain. So I don't know if it's that, but there's something going on where it's your intuition, your sixth sense guiding you. It could be a guardian angel. I don't know. But something is kind of saying, listen to your gut instinct and at least, um, yeah, reference it, pay consideration to it, and then maybe kind of go back to some science and data to kind of back up your uh, your you know your thoughts definitely have you ever um read the six thinking hats the book no no I, i'm terrible at reading books pretty much that's, the only that, book comes, so, you know so the concept of yeah. the book is that you can run a meeting using six thinking hats so when you're discussing say a, a complicated problem or or you're having a, a discussion where there's a lot of personalities in the room each hat only lets you kind of feel one way. So for instance, um, the white hat only lets you talk in facts. So this project is probably not going to make us enough money, but you put your red hat on and that's your feelings hat. And that's kind of your, your gut hat. And you go, but I just feel like it's going to be good for the business. And you don't have to define why you just say, my gut just says that's good. And then you put your black hat on and you go, yeah, that's my cautious hat. So it might not be good. And you, you kind of get a chance to go through because sometimes you can be in a meeting and especially someone who's kind of, you know, you've been around, like we've been around a bit. We, we kind of, we've been here and we've done it. You kind of just go, this just doesn't feel right. And I can't, I can't use facts or figures to say, but this is what I'm feeling. And that's the kind of concept of the six thinking hats is you have these different ones and it gives everyone a chance to kind of speak freely without the needs of having, facts or even they might just say i only care about facts but it forces them to talk about their feelings the other way as well because they're talking to the, your accountant for instance so it's quite uh, a, it's a very that. short book yes that, oh hang on sorry my phone's doing something weird are you still there yeah uh sorry i've got it i've actually got a new iphone i've never had an iphone before and for some okay. reason when the phone rings it's actually making my computer ring as well which is quite yeah bizarre. it's annoying uh, yes um so good old apple trying to be helpful but it's actually very annoying but that that book actually sounds really useful but i was going to ask so when everyone's kind of got their hats on how do you actually mm. decide like the winning hat <laughs> what's the outcome so you, you, yeah you don't so the blue hat is the person so basically there's kind of you all wear the same hats at the same time um and then essentially you kind of come to the end and it's just a chance to basically put everything on the table and then from that you've kind of got different pots to, to pick from so there's not a winning hat or, a, or or it's not really a kind of a competition it's just a case of this just gives everyone a chance to kind of maybe say what they're feeling without the need of having facts or information kind of so so yeah nice. useful in that level regards we we've not used it formally in meetings but quite often I will reference, like, I'm just putting my black hat on or I'm just putting my white hat on and, and kind of just gives me a chance to have freedom in that. So I love that. Yeah. I'll give that a go. 
Yeah, it's nice. I will send you a link. But um, Fab, Pete, I mean, this has been really, really great. Some really great lessons here. Could you just wrap them up for us so we kind of got a, a list of them? Sure. Okay. So tip number one is do something you love. Get paid to do your hobby. That is a dream scenario for anyone. And as a business owner, you're in a position to um, do that, particularly if you're starting out on your uh, entrepreneurial mission to do something mm -hmm. that you love. Second is um, surround yourself by re with really nice people. You're going to need them at some point. <laughs> and you're going to be working some long hours. You're going to be getting stressed. You're going to make a mistake. You need some nice people around you. And also make sure that those people have complementary skill sets as well. Um, so you're mm. not competing with each other or putting each other up the wrong way, etc. Um, and um, so, yeah, lastly, of course, is just follow your gut instinct. It's really important. I don't know what it is, but it's doing something quite useful. And lots of people do say, even I think people like Richard Branson say, follow your gut instinct. You know, maybe mm. qualify with some stats and data, but follow your gut instinct. Love it. Thank you so much, Pete, for showing that. And um, if anybody has any questions or follow up or they just want to generally find out um, what you're doing, where's the best place to find you on the Internet? Yeah, so the best place actually is LinkedIn. So um, Pete Ferguson, two S's. Um, you can search for Nemerin, uh, which is N for November, E-M for Mother, O-R-I-N, Nemerin, um, or just go to Nemerin.com. I'm always around. Amazing. Fab, well, it's been great having you on. Thanks for joining uh, me today. And we'll be back next week Thanks. with another guest. Thanks very much. <laughs>